Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. The scientific world has begun to enter into the metaphysical world and has been giving explanations based on scientific inquiry uh, with all of the modern technology uh, that's now available uh, to measure things. There's also um, been a cross between the metaphysical and the religious. The metaphysical is less interested in specific religions as it is in understanding <coughs> the mystery of existence. The religious, for a long time, uh, in its normative form, has been used as a method to create morals and a moral fiber for society and to give people a sense of how to act towards each other. We now have all of these different approaches to existence available to us. We now are able to read about quantum mechanics and to read about mysticism by way of different religions because each of them have their own mystical path in addition to the normative orthodox path. And very often the mystical path has been excommunicated and made not part of the religion by the orthodoxy within the religion. But for those of us who are not so interested in joining clubs and not so interested in differences and in separations, there's an opportunity now to look at things from many different directions. And what I have found in my experience is that the experience that I had entering into the mystical path through my Sheikh Muhammad Rahim Bao Mahayadeen has just been buttressed by all of these findings uh, in religion, in science, and in every other way. So what we need to do is we need to begin to understand what the reality is that Sufism is trying to make us understand. And we will find that others who have seen some of the truth will buttress the findings that we see from our Sheikh. For instance, he tells us that there is Shariat, Tariqat, Hakikat, and Marifat, which are the four levels of uh, 
religious ascendance. But he also says that finally there's Sufiyat, which is the fifth level. And Sufiyat is the place beyond religion. So there's no longer attachment to the form within the world and the forms that we've been given within the world. And this concept is critical to our being able to move into higher levels of consciousness. As long as we are tied to form of any kind within the world, we are kept back from rising into higher forms of consciousness. There's a story of a great teacher who was in the midst of a mystical experience and he was rising out of his body and going towards the infinite. His wife saw him in the room and she thought he was dying and she started screaming his name and just as he was about to transfer through the connection that connects this world to the next, he heard her name and zoomed back into his body because of his connection to her. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't escape later, but it means that whatever you're connected to will bring you back into this illusory world. And we need to understand the state of this illusory world. Everything that we see has been created by our Creator, by Allah. But everything that we see is a temporary manifestation that comes from our unmanifest Creator. And we, as humans, the highest rung of creation, go from the manifest back into the unmanifest at some period in our existence. We disappear. It's called death. But the Sufis say to die before death is the Sufi way of life. Which means that somehow we leave this illusory existence and it no longer has impact or effect on us. We are no longer bound by illusion. We are on the path towards transcendence out of illusion into reality. One of the names of Allah is Haq, which means reality. Haq, the reality that is God, is different than what we see and what we know and what we've learned and what we've culturally adapted to. Unless we can break our habitual reactions 
to our surroundings and to illusion and drop our images of what is true and what is not true, we cannot die before death. We cannot escape from what our eyes see, what our nose smells, what our ears hear, and what we taste. We can't escape from our senses. Now, in order to get through this phase within illusion, we have to escape from our senses. The Sufis in the days when they had uh, dargas or, 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 or Sufi uh, monasteries had a 40-day ritual where you would go into a cave and you'd be given very little to eat and somebody would bring it to you every day and you would be put in a situation that was dark and dank where you were sensory deprived, where the senses were pulled away from you. And sensory deprivation was thought of as a way to break through your reliance on the illusion, your reliance on what you see, hear, taste, smell, and interact with, your reliance on so many habitual behaviors. Now, before you can get to that place where you can go to sensory deprivation, or where you can detach from all sensory entanglement, you have to go through the phases of understanding what it means to be human. Because the place that is non-manifest, that created us, is a place of love. And unless in this phase of our existence we develop love of the highest quality, love that is non-differential, love that is non-conditional, love that is for God's sake, not for our sake, love that doesn't benefit us, love that is from God, unless we get to that phase, we can't enter into sensory deprivation. Why? Because unless our love is of the highest level and all-encompassing to where it doesn't see differences, it doesn't make differences, it doesn't have the quality of liking this and not liking that, it doesn't have the quality of praise and blame, it doesn't have the quality of blood ties, it doesn't have the quality of picking things within this world to help and other ones not to help, unless we become free of all of that human nature that is habituated to certain cultural understandings and cultural ways of doing things, we're not ready for the non-manifest. We can't enter there, because all that can enter there is pure love. And you're not ready to give up your sensory attachment to things until you have become free of your sensory attachment to things. And the way you become free of sensory attachment to things is through divine love. And divine love frees you 
from your hate and from your anger, from your disillusion. And it frees you from your blood ties and from your differences, from the things that you think are important that in truth are part of the illusion of this world and what holds this illusion in place. And until we do that, we can't move forward. We can imagine that we move forward. We think that we move forward. We think we've accomplished things. And all of that thinking, that kind of thinking, is called arrogance. And that arrogance holds us in place in this world of illusion. We think we know we're right. We think we know there's a better way. We think everybody else is a fool. We think, wow, we've discovered it and nobody else has. As long as our thinking is like that, as long as our thinking is constantly critical of this illusionary life and critical of the various little things within it and trying to make the various little things within it right and conform to our imagination, we have held ourselves in place and we are not going to move forward. We're just stuck. Now, to tell people that they have to become to the point where they are no one so that they have no interaction with anybody that's negative, that they can't have any thoughts or ideas about better or worse, that they become neutral towards this place is very difficult because we've grown our whole life and been taught our whole life not to be neutral. We have been told, like this, don't like that. They are good, they're bad. There's constantly all of these opposites that we've been told about, and we've been told that you have to be on a certain side of the opposites. Now, there's no question there is bad, and we have to avoid it and not be involved in it. But the bad that we don't need to be involved in are things that violate Allah's principles. But it's not for us to judge them. It's for us to avoid them. Big difference between judging and avoiding. It's... It's the difference between unconditional love and being back in the world of the senses where we make choices about what's good and what's bad. That's another reason why judgment has been left to God. And we shouldn't be involved in it. Because judgment transcends this illusion. True judgment. And while you are in this illusion... You can't have transcendent judgment because you're tied to the illusion and you're tied to the habitual nature of your involvement in this illusion. So, if we want to escape, we have to acknowledge the non-manifest. If we want to escape, we have to understand 
that the non-manifest is not affected by this illusion. But we believe that the things within this illusion affect us. When in truth, the only reality that we can be affected by is God's love. If we can narrow our focus down to God's love, if we can narrow our perception down to God's love, if we can narrow our perception to God's universal giving towards everything, and we understand that this divine presence and this divine love is from the non-manifest, and that our journey is to return to this non-manifest, it should be easy to understand that to be able to enter that non-manifest, we must be like what the non-manifest is. And if the non-manifest is divine love, we must be like divine love. And if we can't be like divine love, we can't return to Allah. Who, which is the old way of saying the non-manifest. <laughs> you see, all of the scientists have given us new ways to say things that they've been saying forever. Except now there's a new language. So to speak to today's people, you need to know some of today's language so that they'll hear you. So that they'll understand you. But in truth, the non-manifest is the divine presence that is beyond what the eyes can see. I was listening to a tape of Bowers yesterday. And in it he said, there's a point within you that can see God. Well, if you read what's going on in today's world, they call it the pineal gland. So now scientists have made an assumption, whether they're right or not, I don't know, but they've made an assumption that there is a point within you that can see God. And it's called the pineal gland. And that if you can open up this, you'll have a direct connection to the non-manifest. So that's something for you to think about. The point is that Bawa spoke to us in the language that was thousands of years old. He spoke to us in the sophistic language that was talking about all of these things but in the words of that time. The non-manifest is Allah. The qualities, the, the, the existence of what exists in the non-manifest are Allah's qualities. We are told, take on Allah's qualities, which, by the way, compassion, mercy, justice, are non-manifest. You can't see them. You can't weigh them. You can't construct them. You can be them. But that's a difficult concept for science to understand. How can something that's non-manifest be? Well, it can be. And we're beginning to understand how it can be. And for those of us who studied uh, the qualities and the non-manifest nature know as truth that love can change your situation. Love can change the, uh, the, uh, the, the situation within illusion. Love 
can take the illusion, the illusionary differences within existence and turn them into non-differences and help transcend the situation so that it is no longer in conflict and no longer a problem. Love can do this. But we need to learn that love can do this. And we need to learn to apply love to our problems. As opposed to almost anything else. Psychotherapy isn't going to heal you. Love will heal you. Guns are not going to heal situations. Love will heal situations. Anger is not going to heal situations. Love will heal situations. Hate is not going to heal situations. Love will heal situations. Why can't we love? What benefit does it do to our lives to hate someone else? Think about that. What benefit does it do to our lives to hate someone else? What benefit does it do to our lives to try and destroy somebody else? These things need to be thought about. And they need to be understood that these kind of emotional, habitual attachments are of a very low nature and are animalistic in their being. And if we persist in maintaining these kinds of attitudes and these kind of emotional reactions, we have reduced ourselves to animals. Nobody else has reduced us. We've reduced ourselves. God made us so that we could be transcendent or we could descend to the level of a worm. We have to choose. Do we want to live as worms, or do we want to live as God's transcendent beings? We are light. And light, think about that. <clears throat> and, and, and the Sufis say this often. We are light bodies. We are a light being. Well, think about the vibration of light. And think of vibration of stone. You know there's a big difference between the vibratory nature of the two. Well, arrogance, hatred, uh, differences have very low vibratory levels. Love and divine understanding have much higher vibratory levels. The vibratory nature of light is extremely high. So for us to get there, we have to relieve ourselves of all of the lower portions of our being. In, in Islam, they're called the nafsamara, the lower inclinations, the animal inclinations. We need to rise above the animal inclinations, and we need to enter into the inclinations of light. And light has no differences. Light is beyond form. Light is beyond illusion. Light is the path that crosses over into the other dimension. Can we become light? Can we act as light?
Can we be outside of time and space? Can we be eternal in the way that our Lord created us to be eternal? We have to constantly ask ourselves our questions, these questions, and we have to constantly act on ridding ourselves of our habitual emotions. We have to constantly find ways out of reacting to this illusory illusory world. And then the question isn't any longer, how do I stop reacting? The question is, why do I even think about reacting? Why do I even get involved with reacting? There's nothing here. It's an illusion. And I've been spending my life reacting to illusion. We need to forget about it. But it has to become real in us. We have to no longer care about praise and care about blame. We no longer care about high and low. We no longer care about power. We no longer care about fame. We no longer care about all of the measuring sticks within the illusory world. And when we give up caring about the measuring sticks within the illusory world, we can enter into reality and we can enter into real love. May that happen for each of us. Amen.